Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Hello, wrestling fans, and happy Thanksgiving week. It is the... Wow, I totally went into, like, radio DJ mode there. Happy Thanksgiving (laughs) week. We got your greatest hits coming up, Tom Petty, after the break. <laughs> we're going to be playing Adam Sandler's turkey song. Yeah, we're gonna, or the Hanukkah song. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're gonna play all weekend long. The Hanukkah song all weekend. Well, welcome to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate and Kyle here with you. We'll get Aaron in here shortly. On the uh, we're recording the, As we're recording this show, the Survivor Series has just ended in um, Los Angeles. And uh, we'll go over the results here, maybe discuss the pay-per-view a little bit. So, Kyle? And, you know, it's, uh, my my thoughts and prayers with the people there in California happen to get out of that traffic situation. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Dri- driving, around, God damn. driving around a wildfire. Well, and not even just that, but... Like when we went to Raw in Indy, it was it was a pain in the ass to get out. I can imagine what it's like getting out of Los Angeles. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so the show starts. But Raw. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say Raw took it all. Yeah, they the did. Show. They did. Which I mean, since the what the probably two thousand and five when they started mixing the brands up too much anyway. The whole Raw versus SmackDown thing, to me, has always been kind of invalid anyway. The brand dominance stuff. Um, and the the reason to me that it just isn't, isn't, doesn't appeal to me is they do too much cross-pollination anyway. Right. And, you know, you don't... You don't have the potential for the quote-unquote dream matches like you used to. But that being said, I would say, honestly, I'd probably give this pay-per-view at least a high B. Yeah, I'd um, say tonight we got at least, I think, three dream matches. Yeah, and three. And and there wasn't a bad match on this pay-per-view no, either. No, no, no. It know? was fun. It, it was, was a good time. It was a good show. Um, So we started out with the... Raw Women's Elimination Chamber, or Elimination Chamber? Okay. The Raw Women's Elimination Match, um, or the Women's Elimination Match, which Raw won. Um, the match was good. Um, I thought the... I think it's cool that that Nia Jax is getting that heat. Yep. And I also think it's cool that they're, that she's playing it up, you know? I, I, well, and that was kind of what I got out of it was that I was like, okay, they're going to play her as basically the female Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's, or the female Braun Strowman. Like, we're going to. Which I'm fine with that. Like, I know there, there's, I know quite a few people that don't like her. I do like her. I think she's good. 
for a bit for for her size and i mean she she moves good for her size she does you know she has good impactful moves she's not um she doesn't have a terrible personality i mean she's not a great promo but she doesn't need to be you know being imposing as she is um she wow. is she I, I feel the opposite about her that i do about tamina i can't get into tamina i don't like tamina um she just doesn't do anything for me but um naya is i think really good we haven't recorded since the whole controversy went down with her and Becky Lynch. No, and, so, and, and I was going to talk about Becky also, but I'm to me all the people who are mad about Nia Jax punching Nikki or punching uh, Becky in the face. It's like it's fucking wrestling. People. It happens. Shit happens. Owen Hart broke Steve Austin's neck. Well, look at I mean, look at Steve Austin at the King of the Ring. And in 96, Marrow busted him open with just, you know, just a boot. I mean, it, it, shit happens. It's not, I don't think, you can obviously watch it back and see that Nia Jax was not trying to hurt Becky Lynch. Um, no, and that, all it did was make Becky Lynch even more popular. Yeah, well, and that's what I was going to say. Um, is, this is a big statement, but I've I've thought about this for about two or three weeks now. It's been in the back of my mind. And then this whole thing happened. And it's even to me it's me even more evident is if if women's wrestling is to come to the forefront, if women's wrestling is now which it is, women's wrestling is now on par with men's wrestling for the first time ever in history. Is Becky Lynch on the verge of being a Steve Austin or a Daniel Bryan? Is she, do you see what I'm saying? Like she's just so unbelievably over and she wasn't supposed to be. They never, they, you know, you can tell by the way they booked her over the years. They never expected her to be the most popular female wrestler in the company and lo and behold, here we are. And she is. Yep. I mean, there were two matches tonight, two women's matches tonight that she was not in where the crowd was chanting her name. Right. I think you're going to see as far as the, because especially with her promo on Thursday, it's almost like they've taken the the chain off. Uh It's like, Hey, go out there and do your thing. Yeah, like I'm starting to see that more and more now. It's not so much not like the script. It's more like the people that we can trust. Hey, go out there, show us that you can do it. Mm-hmm. And I see more people getting the opportunities now because, you know, gone are the days when you know you would have like a right piper be like, "Don't tell me how to get over. I know right. how to get over." It. Right. Right. And I, I see that starting to come back. And to answer your question, I do. I think, like she is to I, me. She's to me. She's the first female to ever have the stone cold Daniel Bryan phenomenon around her. Yep. You know, like they. You know, there have been women that are over. You know, Sasha was over at one point, and Charlotte's obviously over, and and Trish and Lita. I mean, there've been women that are majorly over, but I guess my comparison, drawing my comparison with Becky is it's that one that wasn't supposed to be a phenomenon. And it is, you know, 
Yeah, she comes out in the steampunk outfits and everything, and, and I, has the. I love the fact that her shirts, her new T-shirts are. She's the man. I love that. Yeah, that's cool. You, and like I said, her her basically having that busted face and everything else. Mm-hmm. It's like the Steve Austin thing. I know. I know a lot of people have brought it up, but I mean, really, is it's. Yeah, it's that visual. It's that perfect visual. Mm-hmm. You're like, holy shit, this one's a badass. A badass. Huh. How about that? How about that? Blood <laughs> and pro wrestling working. How about that? Well, and they must, they must be, they must be accepting of it because they haven't done the whole like when they show it, they haven't made it black and white. Yeah, and it was all over the pay per view tonight. Yeah, I mean they, you know, for a lo- for the longest time, <laughs> for the longest time, they shied away from that, and um, I think I think a lot of that has to do with the competition from like UFC and and stuff like that. It's just it's it's become such the norm now that that even in a PG show, I guess, quote unquote, you can you know you can you can show it without without getting too much heat from your. Uh, your shareholders or whatever. So the next match, which did not live up to my expectations, I thought Seth Rollins and Shinsuke Nakamura was good, but it was not what it is not. It was not the 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 match that I expected. I, I expected better, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I built it up in my mind so much because I'm a fan of both guys. But for their first match against each other, it's kind of like. Um, when AJ and Shinsuke had their first match against each other, it just doesn't, it didn't, maybe the expectations are too high in your brain. I don't know, but it just didn't live up to my expectations. It was a great match, but, uh, Seth Rollins goes over and I just, like I said, it just didn't, it didn't, uh, didn't live up to my hype, my personal hype, I guess. Unfortunately, this is one of those dream matches Mm because you'd love to see, you know, the two go at it, but yeah, it just, and not again, not that it was bad. It wasn't a bad match. It just wasn't uh it wasn't that oh shit moment that you were expecting, I guess. Right. I think the the problem is that with Shinsuke is he is, was built on the strong style. Mm-hmm. And since they have Brock Lesnar and they're making him be the the badass tough guy kind of limits Shinsuke because they're like well, we can't have two guys be the same right he um he has he has to me and, and I don't know if it's just his morale or what but since since Wrestlemania to me he's actually he seems like he's not he's not giving 100% anyway Shinsuke um, he seems like he's just kind of going through the motions and again, I don't know oh, well. if it's morale. I don't. I don't know if he's unhappy with you know his position in the company or or what. But it just to me, it doesn't seem. You know, you know, you go back to you go back to Shinsuke versus versus Sami Zayn. You know, that match was off the charts good. But then, well, I, he gets on I the, the he gets on the grand stage at WrestleMania and underperforms. And it's just like, I don't know. Again, I don't know. I don't know if it's, he's just not happy with his position or, or what it is, but well, I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that it was him and Oscar that won the Royal Rumbles. And it's like, oh, okay, maybe they're going to go with them. And then it's like, no, no, no you're not. Yeah. Oscar's Oscar's a, a terrible story. Like I, I, yeah. I, I, I put, I put Oscar, I, I just put, think the heart's not there. 
I put Asuka. Asuka is, is, to me, one of the biggest disappointments. Not her, but the way she... She's almost, to me, like um, like the way I felt about Shelton Benjamin back in the early 2000s, where you could do so much more with this person, and you just don't do it. You know, you don't take advantage of their talent. So. No. Then we had a champion versus champion tag team match where the AOP beat the bar. Um, which I'm I'm all for. Yeah, they you know it's 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 Seamus and Cesaro are at that point in their careers now where it's time to start putting over the younger guys so they can start getting over. And you know I I I don't know if you knew this or not, but do you know why Seamus stopped wrestling singles and they put him in a tag team? I found this out. Uh, Doesn't he have a back problem or yeah, something? Well, actually, he has spinal stenosis. Which is oh, a disease, okay, yeah. Which is a disease. You can wind up in a wheelchair from that. It's a disease where your spine starts de- deteriorating or whatever. And um, yeah, so, but I mean, him and Cesaro, it's it's a good thing, I guess. You look at the silver lining. Him and Cesaro are a fantastic tag team, um, well, and they don't lose anything. No, no, not at all, not at all. Um, oh, I hear a beer opening. <laughs> you heard the beers. The beers. The beers. beers. And you know what? I like authors of pain. Yeah. They're they're good. I like I don't them. I don't understand them having that uh what's his dude with them? No, they the, the little guy. I don't understand the little guy with them. Not a big fan of him was, anyway, but wasn't he the the general manager of two oh five? Yeah, nobody's paying attention, Kyle. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Speaking, speaking of two hundred five live, Buddy Murphy and Mustafa. He looks like a he looks like a Make a Wish kid beside them. Buddy, <laughs> Buddy Murphy and Mustafa Ali had the second best match of the night, in my opinion. They did. Can I I think I know what was the best match of the night. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, <laughs> but Murphy and Ali did, had a really good match. I don't watch cruise. I don't watch two hundred five live. So. Anything I see of the crew, and I watch Raw on Hulu, so anything I see of the Cruiserweights is just the pay-per-view matches. And uh, these guys did a good job. Um, the reverse Hurricane Rana that Ali did to Buddy Murphy, where he just fucking planted his head on the mat, was, was, a, was wow. Wow. But yeah, this was a really good match. Buddy Murphy retains the title. And um, then... We oh, I forgot to mention. I don't know if you saw, but uh, the man who looks like an armpit smells, um, Enzo Amore tried to crash the show tonight. Enzo Brian Pillman, you are not my friend. Oh God! Did you see that? Yes. You'll get kicked off a plane for vaping again. Go leave <laughs> us. He's a, dis- get away. He's a disgusting person. He's like a, a walking herpy. I hate him. He... <laughs> I found I, don't... I found the guy entertaining at first when he was first there, but as a person, he's just a dirtbag. <laughs> oh. But uh, speaking of like Enzo and NXT, did you see the War Games match? Mm. I have not watched that show yet. My wife and I Holy were my wife and I were uh, watching movies last night, so I did not watch that show. I plan on watching it tomorrow. 
So you didn't see anything with Ricochet? No. God, wait until you see that. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but fans, you know. You know. Well, I read the but, results. I read the results. Oh, so I just haven't okay. seen it seen it yet. Well, like I said, it's, okay, it's nothing like seeing it in person <laughs> or seeing it live. Then we move on to the men's elimination match at the Survivor Series, which Raw won um, with uh, – it was a good match um, other than Joe being eliminated early in the match, which I thought was silly. Yeah, why did Joe? Why was Joe eliminated early and Shane McMahon the last survivor for SmackDown? Because he's Shane McMahon, damn it! But uh, it was a, it was a decent match overall. Most of the guys got to show their stuff, um, and Braun Strowman at the end pretty much ran through most of the SmackDown team. SmackDown, which he should. Raw, yes, yes. Raw wins. And uh, continues their sweep of the of the uh, the show. The match was good, though it was decent for an elimination match. Yeah, it was fun. Like I said, I there's two schools of thought I have in this. That you know, I do like the brand versus brand thing because at least it's that time of year where you have something on the line for Survivor Series, and mm-hmm. it's not just. Fucking Jim Duggan's heroes versus See, that's, that. Well, that's where we part ways on that. You and I, because like I said, I'm not a fan of brand supremacy because I think that they watered it down so much over the years that it doesn't matter. And I would actually rather see a pay-per-view with a championship match on top and the rest of the matches just be interbrand classic Survivor Series matches. I'm a, I would be okay with that. Because I guess over the years, over the years, the way WWE has changed the way they they do things, I think Survivor Series has been the big pay per view that has suffered the most. And it has. I'm not that. saying like I like the champions versus champions aspect, but I mean, I guess it it's comes back to the whole like Helm the Cell and everything else, where they just manufacture. Right. Because we are at this point in time now where it's not you know. Oh, you know, hey, these two people hate each other, so we're going to have a hell in the cell. We're going to manufacture a feud. Yes, yes. And, and, that, and in that's this why, day and time, that, you know as well as I do, if it was traditional, we would have some fucked up shit. Well, you know, just like around this time of year, somebody does something to, so we'll talk about that in a minute, but somebody does something to somebody with a chair. Yep. Because they're going to have a chair match at TLC. That's garbage. Now, do you remember? Do you remember when it was tables, ladders, chairs, and stairs? Yes. <laughs> so the next match was actually really, really, really good, and I have a couple of things to say about it. It was Rousey versus Charlotte Flair. God damn, was that fun or not? The match was really good, um, and. The two things I have to say about it is the post-match beatdown that that Charlotte gave to Ronda Rousey was it was it was what what would you say that's probably the most violent thing they've done you know in years yeah I mean if you, when she I mean, went if you, to go if you think about other than other than maybe like when when Lesnar busted they were Orton open you know um, 
during their match. But overall, you know, just as an orchestrated beatdown kind of thing, this is the most violent thing they've done in years. You know, and here's the thing about Ronda Rousey. You know, I know when she came in, everyone was worried that she was going to be a part-timer. But, you know, goes to her, man. She's there every week. Yeah. She's, I think she's gotten better. And that was the other thing I was going to say about this match. And I say it every day. My least favorite people in wrestling are modern wrestling fans. Because... There is really, other than just to be rebellious out of your mom's basement, there is no reason. <laughs> there is no reason to boo Ronda Rousey out of the building. No, you know what I mean. Like what? 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 I don't know. I it just. I don't under. I don't understand that. They, they. It's funny because these wrestling, these internet wrestling fans, these these smarks, all the time talk about how. They want WWE or, or wrestling to to be what good again or whatever you know that's and that's fine. We have our issues with it too, but they constantly bitch about the product. And then the WWE gives you an angle with Charlotte Flair where she's clearly the heel, and. Your reaction is to boo the baby face out of the building. Well, now you've just shown me that you don't care how they book it. You're going to just rebel against it and hate whatever they do anyway. Um, See, and that's the thing. It's we're in the in this weird stage where instead of it being, you know, fuck you, Charlie. Can't believe that you would do that, or. You know, or, oh, Dean, I can't believe that you would trigger her back on your brothers. It's, well, I can't believe the company's doing that. Or, well, yeah. oh, I'm so glad the company's pushing and, this guy. And, like, and it is it is partly WWE's fault. because Because over the years they have tried to make the narrative that it's not about the wrestler, it's about the brand. So people follow along with that, and instead of... Instead of um, Instead of getting invested in a in a wrestler or an angle, they're just invested in the company, and they just want to boo the WWE itself. And I don't understand why, if you don't like something, why you'd pay fucking hundreds of dollars for a ticket to SummerSlam anyway, if you don't like the product. But anyway, it's because they series. they they do they do. Yeah, that's that's right. the thing is that I guarantee you those people sitting there, you know, who boo Ronda Rousey or boo Roman Reigns. They secretly are like, yeah, I kind of like Roman. <laughs> I like Ronda. So, I just like to boom because I like to be part of the crowd. So that was a good match with a fantastic angle to end the match um, with Charlotte with a beat down on Ronda Rousey, um, leaving marks, leaving scars or marks on her with kendo stick, doing the Brian Pillman neck job on the with the uh, steel chair. Um, really, really good uh, match and angle after. And then we had our main event. Mm-hmm. I would, I would say the match of the night. Oh yeah, match of the night and the the best Brock Lesnar match. Lesnar um, gets a low blow on Lesnar. Well, well Lesnar first he goes for the the cover and picks him up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, being overconfident, being cocky. Now, what I will say is, I didn't. 
what what I thought might happen didn't happen. I thought, and and they may have did this on purpose, you know, because because of the way Paul Heyman writes shit sometimes or, or orchestrates shit sometimes. You remember a couple of weeks ago when they did, or well, Tuesday when they had him talking had Heyman talking to AJ Styles and he mentioned that Brian, you know, AJ Styles wasn't as good as Daniel Bryan, et cetera, et cetera. And then when Bryan was coming out tonight, the announcers kept saying he looked like he knew something everybody else didn't. And I thought, I really thought maybe they were planting the seeds for Heyman to turn on Lesnar. I was thinking the same thing, which they didn't. They didn't, but uh, and, and and they may have been doing that to make you think that, so it was a bit of a swerve, but um, Daniel Bryan and Brock Lesnar actually uh, wound up having what I would say was a, for, for what those two do in the ring and what, for what those two do in the ring, the emotion they brought to the match, the fact that they, they got to a point in the match where I really didn't know who was going to win, which is so important. They actually had me convinced Daniel Bryan might beat Brock Lesnar. They got they got I'd, us twice. Yeah, I say this is this was at least a four and a half star match out of five. It was it was so fun. Mm-hmm. It was I mean it was everything that you wanted to see because it, Daniel Bryan, you know, he didn't get jobbed out. He was competitive with Lesnar. The one of the coolest spots was the fact that he worked over the knee, and then when Lesnar went for the F five. He collapsed. Yeah. And, you know, you never seen that happen before. So, and, and, you no. know, Brock Lesnar, they made each other look really good tonight. Daniel Bryan sold for Brock Lesnar so good. And Lesnar made Daniel Bryan look really good. They, they, Nobody looked like shit, but he looked like a definitive loser or winner in this match. Well, and not even said, but even at the end, Brock turned around and smiling like, damn. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. This is something... The, this the way this match was laid out was was they could go back to this and uh, oh. capitalize on that later on. But yeah, overall, I'd say the Survivor Series was a good pay per view this year, Kyle. Well, I think it was too. I think compared to some of the other stuff that we've had here recently, <laughs> it's getting to the point. Then, it's getting to the point now where you don't even. Need to watch Raw and SmackDown. Just watch the pay per view and read what happened on Raw and SmackDown. Because two things. Now, first, first of all, it's funny because the shows are less entertaining than they've ever been, but the pay per views are almost as good as any other pay per views from any other time for quality of match and everything um, and drama. And then, not to mention on the pay per view, why do you need to watch uh, what happened on, or watch Raw or SmackDown when they're going to show you a ten minute video before every match of why you know everything that's happened? Right. And if you <laughs> want to get caught up, just watch the pre show. Yeah. <laughs> Here's one thing that I'm not a big fan of is they announced that at TLC is going to be Dean Ambrose versus Seth Rollins. Yeah. And when I know it's coming, and we know. You know you're going to get that at, at you know TLC. You know you're getting that. That's going to be the big program. It's going to go to Mania and stuff. Yeah. Why does it need to be announced like that? Right. Well, that and to me, they should not have broken those two up until the Rumble anyway, so that you can make that a WrestleMania match. You know, like 
what are your the way that the way that shit's been booked that's that's one of the bigger problems now is what is what what do you look at now and say that is wrestlemania because i mean we just had charlotte i'm sure now their strategy with becky being injured is they're probably going to do becky and ronda at wrestlemania now right and becky's super over anyway but now you know you you look at you look at the matches you had tonight. You look at some of the matches that have been on just throwaway pay per views or are coming up on, like what is? I almost wonder sometimes if they just look at WrestleMania as just another show now in a big stadium because they I think so. they don't save anything for WrestleMania anymore. See, what I would have done, and I and I know, and I hate to be that that backside book or the backseat booker, but mm-hmm. I would do what they did with Undertaker and Kane. Mm-hmm. Where it was being successful and it's like, look, I you know, I can save Dean, you know, he's not too far gone. Yeah, maybe it was my fault. Right. You know, I realized the error of my ways, I will not fight Dean. I he's my brother and I can save him. Yeah. Which they And then Yeah. That say so, yeah, say so, and pretty much the same thing they did with Kane and Undertaker and the same thing they did with Bretton Owen. Yeah, exactly. Save it. Build it up to WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Have Dean do something really horrible so that Seth's like, all right, you know what? F- fuck it. The gloves are off. Or what about what about another thing that they don't have patience in booking for anymore? What about Dean Ambrose injures Seth Rollins and Seth Rollins is gone for two months or three months? You know, now they do an injury angle and the guy's back in three weeks in time for the next pay-per-view. Right. You know, nobody ever just, you know, just just injure Seth Rollins. He's gone for three or four months. He comes back and then you have your match at WrestleMania. Instead, like you said, they just rush it and... So then now what's your dramatic match for WrestleMania? You know, what's what, what you, you've already blown your wad. So. You're not going to have, you're not going to have Triple H versus Batista this year. Nope. <laughs> because fucking tri- Trips is gone. He's done. And he's only got one limb left to injure, I think. And then he's Jesus. officially injured every limb. Jesus. God. Did you see the, did you see the picture? I did. Jesus. I did. <laughs> God, it's like, man, I like you, Triple H. Don't get me wrong. I I like seeing you. You're old. You're <laughs> like, yeah, but damn, man, come on. Just because you're in good shape doesn't mean you're not old. Well, yeah, Vince was the fucking uh, proponent of that. <laughs> that was fucking back in uh, 2004. Right. <laughs> when you tear both quads getting into the ring, sliding into a ring, <laughs> I think it's time. So the Survivor Series is in the books, and, um, well, it's not about Survivor Series, but, you know, Survivor Series has always been about uh, multiple man and multiple woman tag team matches. And speaking of multiple man, multiple woman um, items in wrestling, this week we are going to have our top ten. It's going to be top ten stables in wrestling or factions or what have you. And uh, I believe Aaron is with us now. Or I'm wrong. <laughs> nope, he's not. He's not. All right, hey. well, hey. Oh, well. Hey. Hasta la... Hi. <laughs> hey. Welcome to the show. 
Okay, I heard that you guys were done talking about shit that don't matter. We were done talking about the Survivor Series. So, now we will uh, take a It's a, a Thanksgiving Day week tradition. <laughs> to fuck over the Starcade. <laughs> to fuck over the Starcade. Do you know that... Uh, that Starcade in 87 could have been much better received if they would have actually been able to go with the person to be the NWA champion they wanted to. Yeah. Instead of Ronnie Garvin. Their original plan was for it to be Ricky Morton. Found that out. I was reading a Ricky Morton shoot interview. Yeah. Speaking of Starcade, you see it? It's going to be this year in Cincy? Yes. Mm. And they're only going to do a one-hour special on the network. Show highlights. Okay. I don't know why they don't just broadcast it on the fucking network. So you have a network. Just broadcast it. <laughs> I mean, you'll go over to Saudi Arabia and broadcast a five-hour show. No, Kyle. No. That was just the international pay-per-view crown jewel. Uh, I'm sorry. I hate to break people's hearts, but no, it wasn't. Ah, <laughs> uh, shit. Okay. Well, we will take a break. And when we return, we will do our top ten. Uh, who wants to go first? Can I go first? I don't care. Go ahead, Kyle. You can go first. All right. All right. We will take a quick break. We'll come right back. A lot of years will be from like 2010. With more of the so. We Can't Wrestle podcast. We'll be right back after this. I need a break. All right, everybody, welcome back to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate, Aaron, and Kyle here with you, and it is top ten time on the show. We're going to talk about our favorite top ten stables in wrestling history. Before we do that, I have to say, during the break, I got on the uh, the Book of Face, and I have a question for you guys. Mm-hmm. And Aaron, I th- this is not um, this wouldn't have to be this wouldn't do this wouldn't be for a fan like you. You say, I didn't watch the pay-per-view, all right? And that's fine. I can respect that. You didn't watch it. I'm you know? not going to watch it. I just and, haven't watched it yet. I know. I know. But if you, if you don't like it or if you're not interested in it, you don't watch it, you know? I can respect yeah. that. Do you think these guys that are in these Facebook groups and these message boards are starved for attention? Because I get on there and, and, and I watch, I look at these guys who have sat down, taken five hours of their day, sat down and watched a WWE pay-per-view. And they watched probably the, the 10th or 12th WWE pay-per-view this year that they have taken five hours out of their time to sit down and watch it to bitch about it on the internet. You know, they, they, will, literally, they will literally watch a show... Where we have excellent professional wrestlers. And that's why I say I, I dig the pay-per-views now more than I do the weekly shows. Because the pay-per-views are about the matches. You, they'll sit down and they'll watch a show where, where guys and girls have 
fantastic matches and go, well, that sucked. With their big fat face on their profile picture. They've never been in a ring. They don't, you know what I mean? I, does, does what I'm saying make sense? Yeah, they're just mad there was no dick flips or... I, I just don't get it. I don't understand what the mentality is of, of taking five hours of your time watching a show just to get on the internet and jerk each other off and bitch about it. Because some people are just not happy people. <laughs> and that's what it comes down to. That you could give them... You could give them ice cream and it could be vanilla and they'd be mad because it's chocolate. <laughs> I mean, that's just what it is. Some people are just not happy people. Yeah, I just I don't they're the kind of people. They're the kinds of people that go to the grocery store and then they yell at the clerk because there's not enough registers open. It's not their fault. <laughs> don't take like, it out on them. I, I, you're just a just a horrible person. I mean, I also wish it was 1997 again. I also wish we had that kind of a product. But if I was really that dissatisfied with the pay-per-view product, after about two or three of them, I would stop wasting my time watching them. You know what I, I mean? Know. It have to be 1997 again. <laughs> in wrestling? Yeah. Maybe in wrestling. I thought you just meant in general. Hmm. I hadn't touched a booby yet. <laughs> I want to say the problem with 1997 is we only have a few short years to stop September 11th from happening, so... <laughs> All right, I wish it was 1997 again, just in wrestling. <laughs> right. Which, but, real quick, and then I know I know, we just got done with the modern product, but I saw something funny on the Facebook. They had a WWE.com exclusive where Daniel Bryan was leaving the ring and said, oh, it looks like he's a changed man. It's like, what, he's supposed to be a heel now because he kicked Brock Lesnar in the dick? I think they should show him eating a steak. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And watching. He, they yes. should show him eating a steak and watching TV. Guess what? If I'm fighting Brock Lesnar, I'm going to kick him in the dick too. <laughs> yeah, how, how the hell else am I going to beat him? Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like boxing Mike Tyson. <laughs> it might be dirty, but damn, it's the only way I'm going to stand a chance. I fuck you till you love me. <laughs> yeah, he would. He's so, the kind of guy that make you cuddle with him too. So, after so, Kyle's going to start us off with his top ten favorite stables of all time. Yep. So, did you put them in a particular order? Uh, no, but there is a number one. Okay. And I'm well. Okay, let me put it this way: there's a number one and there's a number two. Gotcha. That's kind of <laughs> that's kind of how mine is too. It's life. It's life. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm sure. I'm sure that. I'm sure that practice, there's always a number one and a number two. <laughs> right. <laughs> And I'm sure they're your guys' number ones and twos, so... Onesies and twosies. We'll go from there. But anyways, we'll start at the tippy-top of the list. All right. Go with the Dudley family. I almost put them on my list. I I almost put them on my list. Somebody else edged them out, but... The original Dudleys? Yes. Yes, from UCW. That was... really. He had fucking dances with Dudley and... Yeah, they that was that was fun. Like I actually enjoy, I enjoy. That's one of the few acts that I enjoy more at ECW than I did in other promotions. Um, and that was the Dudleys. Like just 
Like, especially the early Dudleys where Bubba was like big and fat and dancing and and it just it was fun. It was and it, and back then it was very different too. Right, and it was it was great because they had a great story. It was <laughs> Big Daddy Dudley was a fucking jobber. <laughs> he just slept with a bunch of rats. Didn't matter <laughs> the fucking creed or color. <laughs> and these these are those guys' sons. He had uh, Big Dick Dudley, Bubba Dudley, Dances with Dudley, Dudley Dudley, Sign Dudley, Sign Guy Dudley, and Devon. I think that's it. They, I think they had, oh. a, I think they had a couple of tertiary D- Dudleys too that came in that did, you know, one, one night or whatever. But yeah, overall, Dudleys, I would say, like I said, they they did snot not Dudley. make. Was that or a snot Dudley? Yeah, snot Dudley, yes. <laughs> I think their dad was. Uh, I think I think they should have said their dad was uh, James Dudley, Vince McMahon's limo driver. <laughs> 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 he spent all that time in New York and shit in Philly. That's <laughs> why I would explain Devon. <laughs> what do you think of the Dudleys, Aaron? The original Dudleys. Well, like the original Dudleys. I mean, <clears throat> I liked them more than even the end of the Dudleys in ECW. I thought the like cursing at the crowd and all that stuff was tired and bored. at times was just. Yeah, it was that was super cheap heat. It was yeah. yeah. But the original concept and then probably about to like ninety seven. Mm-hmm. They were they were top notch. I always enjoyed Joel Gertner. Oh yeah. Yeah. Joel Gertner was fun. <laughs> yeah. So I'll I'll give you that. All right, Kyle. All right. Uh, next on the list, the Straight Edge Society. Straight Edge Society. I fucking S- love these with Straight Edge Society. CM Punk, um, Joey Mercury, Luke Gallows, Luke Gallows, and Serena. What was it, Serenity? Serena. Serena. I. This it was fun to see CM Punk come out and basically play jesus and it, it was it was being like i could save you yeah well and it was it was he's he was always better as a heel than a baby face anyway right the sanctimonious cm punk was yeah and coming they, out shaving people's heads mm-hmm. and it, they, it, it resulted in the cm punk ray mysterio feud which is one of my favorite feuds of all time i did not have straight edge society on my list but good call yeah, I like I said to me, it was fun. Like it was short lived, but damn, it was fun. Because like I said, it it was it was perfect. It was him coming out and being like, "I'm better." Well, it was the whole CM Punk shtick, but on a grander level. Because mm-hmm. now he had a group behind him. That's what I say as an able to back him up. Yeah, and it was I can save you. And he. He he re- he redeemed Festus. Yeah, <laughs> and that was what was fun. <laughs> he fucking he's like he's retarded because he's hopped up on drugs. And... Can I just say that biscuits and gravy is one of the greatest wrestling entrance themes ever? <laughs> it is. 
Aaron? I don't have anything about the Straight Edge Society. All right. I'm not. Uh, yeah, I just had. That was when I started getting disenchanted with wrestling. Well, all right then. Not them were the, they weren't the reason, but yeah. right. Well, let's go to a group that maybe you do have something on, the Brood. The Brood. Really good music. Yeah, they also have one of the coolest entrance themes in wrestling history. They have one of the coolest entrances, period. And Gangrel always looked like he was really happy because he just had a cheeseburger or something. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Holly called him Count Chocula. <laughs> Why don't you get up here, Count Chocula, you fat bastard? <laughs> well, like I said, it'd be, you had a cool entrance coming up through the fire. And spit in the blood, and you had two great workers in uh, Edge and Christian, <laughs> and then you had the third guy. Yes, but... the third guy. <laughs> uh, no, I mean they were. <laughs> well, he was I, he was married to Luna Vachon. I liked the Brood until they joined the Ministry because the the cor- the Ministry and the corporate Ministry are two of my least favorite factions of all time. So yeah, yeah. the the I, I did dig the brood until they joined the ministry, and then then I was done with them as a faction, not as not as individual performers or anything, but just as a faction. I couldn't just you know they just it didn't work for me then. But yeah, they were a cool faction, especially again. It's um, you go back if you put yourself in that time, it was something that you hadn't seen before. Yeah, just a fat vampire in his <laughs> and his heterosexual <laughs> friends. All right. So I'm gonna preface this by saying there's one person in this group that if we don't want to talk about, we're not gonna talk about. But uh next uh group on the list, the radicals. Yeah, I don't want to talk about Perry Saturn. <laughs> I know. I know you didn't. <laughs> Him and his face tattoos. And... The Radicals was another short-lived one, but it was good. Well, I mean, you, you look at the performers in the group. You have Eddie Guerrero. You have Perry Saturn. You have Dean Malenko. You have... Well, I was going to do the WWE Network solution there and just not say the name just be like you john have, cena you have those three guys in action i love it when they have a chris benoit match on the network and it's like steve mcmichael in action but um no the group was great and you know eddie got hurt right off the bat but um that that was a big deal back then that those four guys came in together and um that you know you can't argue with the wrestling talent in that group. There's not a guy, even Perry Saturn. I mean, to to you know we make fun, but Perry Saturn. I was Perry Saturn was really good. Perry Saturn was really good. Cronus wasn't, but Perry Saturn was really good. So yeah, I mean, you know, for a talent, for talent in the ring, they're 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 up there for sure. Like I said, for any of our younger viewers who weren't watching at the time or not yet alive, 
who have watched Eddie Guerrero, Saturn, uh, Malenko, and Benoit on WCW, and then all of a sudden you turn on Raw, and there they are in the front row. Mm-hmm. You're like, w- w- what? And a lot of people forget that Benoit was the WCW world champion. When they left, he was... He yeah. Was- he didn't even want it. Like they, they, they gave it. They said, "We're giving you the belt." He was like, "I don't want it." And then they gave it to him anyway because that's WCW. Yeah, <laughs> fucking idiots. We're gonna make you champion. I don't want to be your champion. But God damn it, you're gonna be our champion whether you like it or not. <laughs> how, how inept is that? <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't want the thing. I don't care if you want it or not. You're gonna take, take it. it. You're gonna like it. <laughs> Fucking idiots. <laughs> All right, next. <laughs> All right. So these last, what is it, five? No. Uh, okay. I was going to say, um, there is five. When I get to there, it'll kind of be in an order. Mm-hmm. But uh, the next one, going kind of new, Bullet Club. Yeah. I, I, I mean, put them on there. Well, no. If you I mean if you're looking at modern wrestling, they're the best stable in modern wrestling. To me, they they kind of. I mean, nowadays reju- WWE rejuvenized stables in yeah, wrestling. Well, I was going to say nowadays WWE doesn't fucking keep a stable long enough together to, you know, like I've been, I've been, I was happy that they put Drew McIntyre and, and Dolph Ziggler together. And they've already talked about breaking them up. And it's like, Christ, they haven't even been together for six months yet. But, yeah, the Bullet Club is uh, kind of an homage to the NWO um, in a way. But they do their own thing, too. The thing that's cool about the thing that's cool about Bullet Club that they can do now that WCW couldn't do with the NWO is Bullet Club literally encompasses, like, three promotions, they're, they're, you know, their their faction actually goes through New Japan, Ring of Honor, and the NWA. So it is like it's it's like more the NWO than the NWO was because they're all over pro wrestling to the to the point where WWE even kind of acknowledges it, you know. Right, Aaron. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's uh, box I just I, I I like the Bullet Club or whatever, but I just I don't know. I just it's a, like a faction that wars with itself, and I don't usually like that. To me, I mean, I don't like a stable that wars with itself, like the NWO. Yeah, like that was when the NWO got terrible. Was when it started warring with with itself. Yeah, action then. Or a table or whatever. <laughs> All right. So I got a feeling we're going to start knocking some names off some lists. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, number five, Evolution. I don't have Evolution on my list. Really? Really? Mm-hmm. Um, to me, the Evolution is... It's a mystery? My was the gen- the generation's four horsemen. You had Ric Flair, you had Triple H, Randy Orton, Batista. You had two guys who were on their way up, 
you had the leader and then you had the legend. Mm-hmm. And it did what any good uh, faction should do, create new stars. The best, the be- I guess it's not the best, but the most, the looking back on it now, the funniest irony to me about Evolution was the fans. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to put it this way. So much like today where I was just talking a little bit ago about the guys that get on Facebook and their little keyboards and they bitch about the modern product, but they, they still watch it because they're apparently fucking sadists or whatever. Um, back then, the, the guys that watched The Horsemen in the 80s would complain about evolution and then they would complain because they would say it you know it was it, Triple H always has to be the champion Triple H is always the champion Triple H is always the champion Triple H Triple H Triple H Triple H but it was okay that when the NWA did it with Flair and he was in the Horseman it was kind of a they kind of contradicted themselves because I don't think either they didn't realize it or whatever, but like you said, Evolution was obviously WWE doing a four horsemen faction. And to properly do a four horsemen type heel faction, your number one guy in the faction needs to be the champion most of the time, or it's very ineffective that he has this group. Evolution was actually booked perfectly the way they were booked. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was, it was booked the way that they booked Flair and his guys in the eighties. And holy shit! When someone did finally beat Triple H, it meant it something. was a big deal. Exactly. They 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 hearken for the old days, but when booking's done like the old days, they bitch about it. But anyway, but yeah, that that was they were definitely a good faction, all talented guys. Um, you can't say any one of them isn't a talent or a great. In the history of the business, um, I know um, Aaron and I kind of differed on who was the best young guy. I think you like you always liked Batista more than Orton, didn't you? Yeah, and he has like the greatest babyface turn ever. <laughs> well, yeah, his, his babyface turn. Yeah, it's great. It's the greatest <laughs> babyface turn ever. They're just giving him the thumbs up, and he's like, "No," and then Flair's just like, "Oh, fuck." <laughs> Well, just and in general, too, over the weeks, how they were just petrified of him, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> or when yeah. He, the, just the thumbs up, yeah, you're gonna you gonna sign with Smack? No, oh. one of my favorite things ever during the time the build up to his baby face turn is on that No Way Out pay per view, and Carlito's trying to get him to sign the petition to fire Teddy Long, and he's like, "Did you see what I did to the?" The French flag with La Resistance last week. <laughs> Could do that with your clipboard. And Carlito's like, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, you're right. Uh, Batista, Batista's face turn is fantastic. The yeah. greatest face turn in the history of wrestling. <laughs> <clears throat> Alright, so we all good on evolution? Yep. Alright, number four. The original New World Order. Take that off my list. Yeah, I'll take that off mine too. 
The, yes, and you 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 specified the yep. original New World Order because, like Aaron said, as time went on, and you had a New World Order, a New World Order Wolf Pack, a Latino World Order, uh, a Janitor blue, World blue, Order, Blue World Order, uh... <laughs> Amish World Order. Things got a little tricky as time went on, but that original probably I'd say. I would say up until what up until they got up to maybe like mm, nine or ten members because uh, a lot of people I they got to like buff. Yeah, like I had no problem with buff being in it. Like like when people would like knock buff back while being in the NWO. Mm-hmm. And I was like, one of them's got to lose every once in a while. You know what I mean? And yeah, plus and, plus and, Vir- and Virgil can't work. Well, and plus, at that time, Buff was still a young guy, so why not try to get a young guy over, you know? Um, if that's, you know, WCW always, through their through their history, from the minute he came in in, like, 92, WCW always pushed at Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Yeah, but I'm just saying that's why it worked for him. Like, I had no problem with him being in it. Mm-hmm. Because at the time, like, I look at it, it's like, you know, Scott Hall's not going to lose every, Scott Hall's not even going to wrestle every week on TV. Right. You know what I mean? But Buff Bagwell can't. He can go out there and get a diamond cutter. and ain't going to hurt him any. Because mm-hmm. he's just Buff Bagwell, you know? Well, and like I said, and also in the meantime, you're building him up for later. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'd agree with that. Once they got to that, you know, I think he was number like 9 or 10 or something like that. I don't know. Was... Me, when they got to Scott Norton, it was like, what? <laughs> Not that hey, Scott well, Norton like, wasn't good. Here and... Smurfs the good goddamn name of Scott Norton. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> but yeah, the the original NWO again. You put yourself back in that time frame. People that didn't watch back then, or younger listeners that you know, you you know about it, you've heard about it, you've seen it, but you didn't live it. That was literally like nothing we'd ever seen before well not in american wrestling um they'd done it in japan but it was literally like nothing we'd ever seen before and hulk hogan turned heel and you know diesel and razor ramon went to the wcw and and then here's ted dibiase and here's the one two three kid and i mean it, you know and then they had the the angle with sting virgil. i tried to forget about him but okay virgil <laughs> <laughs> listening to an interview with Ted DiBiase when they asked him about Virgil, mm-hmm. and like he was like, "That guy was a he was a he was a nice guy." <laughs> uh, not the and and you know like Ted DiBiase is like a Jesus guy now. Right? Yeah. He's like he's a really really nice guy. Worked out hard. Really dumb though. <laughs> <laughs> I have to explain everything to him twice. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> like he wasn't like like you know ribbing Virgil. He was yeah. just saying Virgil is dumb. Stating the facts. He's, he's a moron. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, nobody could ever argue that the original NWO is isn't one of the greatest factions in wrestling history because First of all, again, because of the way it was originally booked for probably the first eight months, it was fantastic. And it was just plain and simple revolutionary. So, 
All right, Kyle, like Goldberg would say, who's next? All right, coming in at number three, the Heenan family. Ah, shit. I have to knock the Heenan family off. No, 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 no. What? Which one? The, the original. Okay. I don't have to knock mine off my list then. Oh. Well, I would say if so. You what, can't say it's not your list time. Which which wrestlers are you talking about, Kyle? Like which group of what I'm saying. guys with Heenan? Are you talking like Andre and Hercules and... Yeah. I'm talking about... Like 87? Yeah. Where he had like Andre, Big John Stud. I mean, it. I'm. All right, let me put it in, in this way. When he had like Rick Rude. Mm-hmm. So then he, he would have had at that time, he would have had Rude, Andre, Haku. So like 88, 88, 89. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go 88, 89. Okay. So I can knock that off. I mean, my list. I can't I think. Cause that's what cause it, I, I, had, I put 1989 and 1989 was Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, the Brooklyn brawler, Andre, the giant Haku, Harley race and Rick Rude. That's exactly what I had. So I had the 89 Heenan family. So I'm, I'll just knock it off my list. See, cause, well, and here, and here's the thing. Like again, I, I didn't watch wrestling in '89. Mm-hmm. Like my my starting was like 1990. So mine was like the Barbarian, Andre the Giant, Haku, Henning, Mister. Yeah, I was gonna say Mister. Perfect. You know that was that was my you know mm-hmm. first introduction to it. Well, no matter what Heenan family it is. <laughs> but if you watch the evolution of the Heenan family, though, because, like, when he first started, it was a little rough. <laughs> he had, like, Buddy Rose, and, yeah, it was, it was pretty rough. What I always liked... The fucking blow-away diet. The other thing I always liked about Heenan was, no matter who Bobby Heenan managed, pretty much other than, like, Barbarian and Haku... No matter who Bobby Heenan managed, at some point he was going to fuck them and they were going to beat him up. <laughs> yeah. And he always had like a job guy. Yeah. He always had a guy on the lower rung that could... Uh, cheap ass uh-huh. <laughs> But if you were... If Still, you were if and then you, one day his cheap ass fuckers got in a fight. It didn't <laughs> go very well and Monsoon took a bump. I love that. I love... Like, I love for like three weeks after that. I did not mean for you to get hurt, Monsoon. He's so afraid Monsoon's going to kick his ass. It's also weird that that's like the only feud that ever developed out of the Heenan family. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, no team ever, like, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because, I mean, I guess you could say Andre because he was, like, knocking around, like, well. Them, but that's different. Yeah, know? well, and what hindered that was that uh, if Andre would have been able to wrestle, it would have been a different story. Yeah. You know. I'm saying like an angle, like two yeah. Heenan family members I guess, breaking up. I guess the only other, the closest, to the, and again, it came down to, the closest it came to that was uh, 
it was Big John too. Yeah. You know, because Big John came back and they were going to have him feud with the Heenan family and Andre. And then I guess he got pissed off about a payoff or something and told him to go fuck themselves. And that's why that run didn't last very long. Yeah. But anyway, yes, we will definitely mark down the Heenan family as one of the greatest wrestling factions of all time. Well, and then to go back and you see <laughs> fucking Bobby Heenan slaps Andre. <laughs> Immediately, he's like, "Oh, that was a bad idea." I'm sorry. I'm sorry. As soon as he slaps him, I'm sorry. Same thing with Mister Perfect on that prime time. <clears throat> oh, all right, it's like slapping the guys he knows the best. It's like, <laughs> like, like this guy, Mister Perfect's a shithead. You know, like he knows that Mister Perfect's gonna smack him around and make him look foolish. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. Next. All right. Number two, the Heart Foundation. God damn it. It was also my number two. The Heart Foundation is, without a doubt, one of the greatest wrestling factions of all time. One of the greatest heel wrestling factions of all time. Because not only is it this family that had been broken apart for so long and they come back together because they have morals and the rest of the world doesn't, or that's their perception, and the WWF has been fucking them all these years and they're finally going to unite against this company that they've worked for for all these years that's just been using them like a bunch of carnies. But on top of that, the head of the snake, if you will, the the heel Bret Hart is one of the greatest heels in the history of wrestling. We've discussed that on the show before, and all of their chemistry was so good. The storylines that were going on were so good at the time, and I I dare say, and 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 I guess I guess from what we talked about with the NWO earlier, you guys would agree with me because by that point NWO had got pretty big. I would say that at that time, even though the ratings didn't reflect it, and even though attendance didn't reflect reflect it, the Hart Foundation heel stable angle was better than the NWO angle. Oh, absolutely. You agree because with, they kept you it with, at that those you, core guys. It wasn't agree. well, and it was just so. And they were dominant, even though Hogan's heel turn was more shocking, just because he's been he'd been such a white meat babyface character for so long. Bret Hart's heel turn is more human and realistic and better than Hulk. It had Hogan's more heel substance. Turn. Yes, you agree with that, Aaron? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day. Um, I think Brett, um, I don't want to say it. He embraced it more than Hogan. Yeah. Like, even though he didn't want to do it right away because he went into like, you know, out the kids down or whatever. I don't think Hogan ever wholeheartedly went out there trying to get people to boo him completely. No. Hulk Hogan cool-heeled it, just like National Hall did. I mean, he he essentially just mirrored them, but with the Hulk, like, with, with being Hulk Hogan. Catchphrases and stuff that they could do with him. Yeah. Hart's character, he, he stripped all that away. Mm-hmm. 
Other than saying, like, you know, he's the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Yeah, but he, he was so good that him saying, when he was in, in 1995, when he said on the best there is, best there was, best there ever will be, and then in 1997, when he said it, it was so much more condescending. Like, just yeah. the, the little things, you know? Yeah. Bret Hart in the wheelchair, man. How good is that shit? I just, I just think Bret owned it more. Yeah, definitely. I mean, how cool is it, like... Some of my favorite visions of wrestling are Bret Hart bitching in that wheelchair <laughs> with his guys behind him, you know, like this company sucks and Shawn Michaels is gay and Steve Austin's an asshole and I hate this fucking place and I'm your champion. <laughs> so good. Well, it, and you know, and I know this. Yeah, my uh, lovable man, brother Owen. He's like Davy Boy Smith. The Loose Cannon, Brian Pillman, Big Rhino, Jim the Anvil, Nightheart, and my lovable brother, Owen. <laughs> when, Owen went down, when Owen went down to wrestle The Rock for the Intercontinental title, this is for you, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Such good stuff. It's, it's not a Heart Foundation moment, but my favorite Owen Hart thing is when he's just yelling at his whole family at the Slammies. Yeah. <laughs> they're all at that table, and he's like, I got a Slammy. I don't have any of you to thank for yeah, it. You're, a bunch of You're no, all good for nothing. a bunch of no good nicks. He's <laughs> <laughs> yelling at his whole family. <laughs> and they are laughing. <laughs> yeah, it's too hard to even give a shit. He's just laughing at it. Oh, fuck. Good for nothing, family. <laughs> <laughs> Great. All right, Kyle. We kind of right. stole your thunder there. No, you're fine. Uh, would anybody like to take a guess what number one is? The original DX. That was my guess. No, it, no. This no. is going off when I thought you might have any of this. It's the the Dungeon of Doom. I mean, the L. Well, Kyle, we can't have you on the show anymore, so... It was nice knowing you, sir. <laughs> Nobody said that life was going to be easy. <laughs> You're going to no, do with a Bissell Dustbuster? <laughs> uh, no, of course, it's the, it's the Four Horsemen. Okay. Again, fun. So now my question to you, yes, my question to you is, what's your favorite Four Horsemen? Group. My personal favorite four horsemen. They're on my four. list too, but I'm not going to take them off my list if yours isn't the same as mine. Fair enough. Right. My favorite is the Flair, Tully, Arn, and um, Barry. Shit. That was mine. I'll take that one off. Yeah, the Wyndham. The Wyndham. Uh, I put Horseman with Wyndham. The Horseman with Barry Windham is my my favorite horseman, and they were on my list. That's the coolest horseman because they had finally got they got to the point where, as the four horsemen, that was when they actually like at most points they all had the championships and the matches were in it. I don't know. I'm I'm not a I'm not um, the biggest Ole Anderson fan. <laughs> There's not a lot of people who are. 
And I'm not as big a Tully Blanchard fan as Aaron is. At all. I don't hate Tully Tully Anderson. Tully Anderson. I don't hate Tully Blanchard. But, I don't know. I, I know you really liked him, Aaron, but... He was needed for that group. They needed the. They needed that guy. But the yeah, chicken the, shit, cocky guy. The Barry Windham, Four Horsemen is also, was also on my list. So, there you go. Aaron, I'll let you go next. Okay. I we 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 will take a break. In honesty, I was trying to think of any group that Bruce the fucking Barber Beefcake was in. What are you talking about? You got the legendary Mega Maniacs faction of Bruce Beefcake, Hulk Hogan, and Jimmy Hart. He was in the Dungeon of Doom. I was talking about like where he was like the focal point. He's oh. never been the focal point of anything. I'm he, sure. I'm except sure. maybe like a sexual. I, I'm sure like, he was. No. I, I'm sure he was the leader of some faction in a Maryland independent wrestling company in like 2001. The only thing he's ever been like the focal point of like is like a sexual allegations. No, 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 no. He was. He was something. He was part of the One Warrior Nation, which he wasn't was, the focal point of that. Which now. He was he, Ultimate Warrior Sex. Though. He was the focal point of the original face three faces of fear. Well, well when Brutus, when Kevin Brutus, Southern. when Brutus Beefcake main evented a Starcade. Yeah, and then he became the Booty Man. <laughs> he was Booty Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When he was in the One Warrior Nation, he was just Ultimate Warrior Sex, which, which negated <laughs> the One Warrior Nation. God. And like when he had like when Warrior had him back in the locker room, he thought he was the Zodiac again because like you were hearing like yes no, <laughs> yes no. Oh God! You're the warrior pumping through your veins. <laughs> Run over you like the lawnmower. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I love when he first gets revealed in WCW that he can't call him Bruce the Barber Beefcake. So they're just like, it's the Barber. Brother Brudai. Brother Brudai. And he was just Brudai. And they made him the Butcher. And then the man with no name. The man with no name. Because then he so you guys aren't even which trying. Is a, which is a name. Yeah. It's like, I love when fucking artists name their song Untitled. Yeah. It's, t- it's a title. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> like Chris Candido. No gimmicks needed, Chris Candido. That's a gimmick. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> Please don't compare. <laughs> Brutus Beefcake to Chris Candido. Chris Candido to Brutus Beefcake. You're off the show. Well, Kyle, you and I have both been fired, so this is the Aaron show when we come back. (laughs) Right. Maybe we need to start our own show where we talk about the modern product. (laughs) Get people to listen to that. (laughs) 
Well, when we return, Aaron will have his top ten stables of all time. How many did he knock off your list, Aaron? Two or three? Uh, yeah, three or four, maybe. Four. You got NWO, the Heenan family, Horseman with Wyndham, and Hurt Foundation from me. So yeah, I technically shouldn't even count the Horseman because I had to help him with that one, but it's okay. <laughs> when we come back, Aaron will reveal his list. We'll be right back after this with more of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Back to the Weekend Wrestle Podcast. Nate, Aaron, and Kyle here with you. And um, Aaron, it's your turn. Top 10 favorite stables, factions, whatever you want to call them, of all the times. All right, I got six of them. Um, They're not in any particular order. Um, But we're going to go with, uh, we'll first knock off the list, The Nation of Domination. Shit. Well, no, and you want to know, we always say which ones. This is the second incarnation with Farouk, Kama, Rocky, and D'Lo. Me too. All right. It was, um... Well, he didn't like the crush one? Oh, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it, but it was, that was like an experiment they were just doing on TV which I enjoyed that aspect of it. I love the but, I love the episode where those two get fired. Yeah. When he's like take your hot hotter than a hotter peanut pepper yo ass is fired. <laughs> Farouk and then he, and then he fires he fire he fires crush and crush's reaction is a little too late. Yeah. <laughs> what? So, so he looks like an idiot. They that faction was, um, in all its incarnations, was great. Um, and another, it's another faction where one of the best parts of it, later on, even, Owen Hart being in the yeah. Nation of Domination, you know, with his rage. <laughs> but uh, they, were, they were a cool faction, and it was... It could never happen today in today's environment because it would be seen as racist. But it actually wasn't racist. No. Um, Farouk was portrayed as a very strong African-American character. And could anybody have played that part better than Ron Simmons with that voice and that demeanor and that, you know, just he commanded respect. Yeah, he might be like the blackest dude ever. And just awesome. <laughs> I wasn't saying that as like an insult. Oh no, I know, I know. But like when when they get in the ring, like with the original, when it was like PG thirteen, and him and Clarence Mason and Savio and Crush, and he'd be bossing everybody around that deep voice, telling them to get in line. <laughs> maybe maybe this is a little maybe smacking the non wrestler ones around. Mm-hmm. He's like, you supposed to do the first line of defense, boo. <laughs> get up here, dumbass, and he just like push the chick. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Maybe this is racist. I don't know, but uh, if it is Mark for edit. But uh, no, he's like pro wrestling Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, 
Like he just, you just know it was like, all right, that's that's a black dude I don't want to fuck with. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, one of the best leaders of a faction ever. And if you got to look at a stable and what it does, you have to look at what it produces. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it produced, and I know he wasn't the greatest wrestler in the world, but it's one of the greatest characters of all time, the Godfather. And the Rock, for Christ's sake. Oh, I know, I was getting there. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, the Godfather was, like, entertaining as hell. Mm-hmm. D'Lo Brown had a, had a really, like... D'Lo Brown had a... I don't want to sound disparaging when I say this, but D'Lo Brown had a better career than what he probably should have had. Mm-hmm. If he wouldn't have been in the, if he would have not been in the the nation of domination, he probably wouldn't have got up the car as far as he did. And then obviously he got the Rock. Right. So, yeah. Well, I think the NOD but should be on anybody's list. And unfortunately, you know, as good as they were, there's nothing that could have saved Ahmed Johnson. <laughs> hooked on phonics. <laughs> Yeah, you get. get, I've never seen a man get so far in his life that couldn't read or speak, for that matter. (laughs) If you guys want to see something funny, watch WCW in 2000 when he comes in. As far as Stevie Ray's, like he's uh, Big T, I think his name is. He just walks around with a fuck. No, he walks around with a gallon of milk. Just a fucking gallon of milk just walks around doing promos and stuff with it. I'm surprised he didn't have a towel. (laughs) Oh, it's so funny. It's like, what are you doing with that milk? Tough. Oh, he needs some milk. It's one of my favorite lines. (laughs) You ever seen that? Whenever somebody, like, face plants and they put that lady on the lower top of it. Yeah. Oh, he needs he need some milk. <laughs> so, anything else on those guys? No. All right, next on my list would be the fabulous Freebirds, Michael P.S. Hayes, Buddy Roberts, and Terry Gordy. Running a rough shot through Texas. I mean, anybody that's, that knows wrestling and loves wrestling will tell you that one of their favorite rivalries in wrestling is the Freebirds and the Von Erics. Yep. That made world-class championship wrestling. Um, and it started over, like, the simplest of misunderstandings. Dang. Dang. But, oh. yeah, I mean, and the Freebirds were heat-getters, and they were revolutionary at the time with the rock music entrance. And, I mean, you know, you, you, a lot of people think that Vince McMahon was the first one to do that, and he was not. It was Michael Hayes, Terry Gordy, and uh, Buddy Roberts. And and they were fantastic all together. And I like, um, I loved when they like do like remote shoots with them and like world class championship wrestling. With Mercer and all that, that was all good stuff. I just I enjoyed him. That one where he goes to the Freebirds' house. Yeah, it's all it's, trashy. It's stuff. it's yeah. tough. It's it's tough to watch on the network 
Um, so, folks, if you get a chance, check it out on YouTube. It's yeah, tough it's to watch. They play some horrible rendition yeah, of Freebird behind yeah, it. It's 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 tough to watch. And it's kind of like watching ECW on the network. It's tough to watch because of the music and and how it's edited and everything. But if you get a chance to ever watch it on YouTube, it's definitely worth watching. And they, and they were a lot like the Horsemen, where they all played their part. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Neither one of them tried to step on the other one. Like Buddy was the chicken shit heel, and Mike was the talker, and Terry, Terry was the Terry. guy that would get in there and scrap with. I mean, they all scrapped. Terry, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, Terry was the the badass. Yeah, you know so, he's he's not he's not the smartest tool in the shed, but he's the toughest one. So that's why they're on my list. And Michael Hayes would do this really cool thing where he would. In a match, he would almost even better than Flair would do with Arn or whatever. But he would he would he would get this cocky attitude and pick this big fight, and then he'd tag in Terry. Yeah. <laughs> like it was just I mean it was just brilliant. It was brilliant. So anything else on the fabulous Freebirds? All right, next on my list is um, the 1995-1996 incarnation of the Four Horsemen, which was Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Brian Pillman, and Chris Benoit. They were a shining light at a little bit of a rough time in WCW. Is it your favorite horseman? It's not my favorite horseman, but they were on my list. Okay. I had two incarnations of the horsemen. I had the, the 88 with Wyndham. Mm-hmm. And then those guys. Okay. Yeah, I can it's see. It's amazing nobody brings up the Mongo one. No, he didn't bring up the so Mongo one. Like so like I was saying, uh, Brian Pillman, <laughs> Art Anderson, Ric Flair, and uh, Chris Benoit. And Mongo wasn't a bad horseman. Mongo served his purpose. He had a Super Bowl ring. He had a pretty girl. So I, I, and he I said, think Mongo. And he said, "Baby, gets, I think Mongo gets a laugh. He said, "Baby, a lot." Everybody yeah. was Mongo's baby. A lot of wrestlers. So Jimmy Hart, Daddy, Daddy, and Baby. Um, now the that that incarnation of the Horseman is cool. I, the only thing, and, and it's not um, that Horseman is cool too because it was the correction of an error almost. Because they did that awful thing where they actually broke Arn and Flair up. Yeah. Which was a terrible idea. So then they just were like, it was a swerve the whole time. The whole time. For three months that we've been beating each other up, it's been a swerve to get Sting. But it resulted in something cool. And I like, one of the things I liked about that horseman was that um, the little little, um, dynamic between Arn Anderson and Brian Pillman. Yeah. Brian Pillman's acting like this fucking... Go ahead. Like Arn didn't totally want Pillman around. Like you could, like it was almost like, like <clears throat> Arn and Flair were obviously the leaders of the Horsemen, mm-hmm. and Benoit was Arn's guy that he brought in, mm-hmm. and Flair was, or and Pillman was like Flair's guy. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Well, they, they, yeah, and and like. <laughs> Pillman would start popping off or whatever, and Arn would fucking smack him across the face. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, come on, don't hit him! Like, come on. So yeah, and and 
Pillman leaving early, like Pillman walking out or whatever, Quentin hurt a little bit, but, and, and I'm not saying I didn't like it when Dean was in there too, but mm-hmm. I just, I just thought they were, I just thought they were a shining light in a little bit of a rough period in WCW on those night, on those early nitros. For sure. And I, I just enjoyed them. And it's also probably because I'm like a huge mark for each guy. So, I mean, it, it, I think they're, the collective talent that was in that group is underrated. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Because it was, it was in a time when the business was kind of in a lull and then some things were changing. So 95, 96 horsemen. Good stuff. I got three left. Two of them are WWF. One of them is not. So, you guys want the not WWF or one of the WWF ones? WWF. Camp Cornette, Owen Hart, God damn it, Van Vader, <laughs> the British Bulldog, Yokozuna, Clarence Mason, and Diana Hart. You knocked them off my list. Did you listen to that group, people? <laughs> Owen Hart, Big Van Vader, the British Bulldog, Yokozuna, Clarence Mason, and Diana Smith. Sean. I know you want me. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and then for a minute, for a minute, Mr. Fuji was up in there. Yeah. No, the the, the Camp Cornette is, um, is definitely one of my favorite factions of all time. He knocked him off my list. Uh, Jim, you want to, you, you other... want to talk about a shimmering light and a really rough <laughs> What? It was those guys. You know, Jim Cornette, other than Bobby Heenan, is my favorite manager of all time. Um, and you have, like you said, you have Davey Boy Smith at his best. You have Owen Hart, who was never bad. Perfect. You have Vader, one of the best big men in wrestling history. Uh, prior to Vader, you have Yokozuna, who also is one of the best big men in wrestling history. And they were even technically in it together for a minute. Yeah, and then for a period of time, Diana Hart as the harlot. And, it wasn't honestly a bad performance. Oh, no, she wasn't. She played a great, like, condescending harlot, you know, like Stephanie McMahon does now. Yeah. She was She was really good at that. And, no, they were... Like you said, they were a shining shining light in a dark period and and one of the best heel stables ever. Very underrated, like as far as when people talk about the history of wrestling. Camp Cornette doesn't come up a lot, and it should. But it's because it was 1995, and yeah. the WWF doesn't like to talk about 1995. <laughs> yeah, and early 96, <laughs> yeah. They don't like to talk about 96 before Steve Austin. Yeah, and you ever have a dinner for three with the Pug, Man, R, <laughs> and Freddie Joe Floyd? <laughs> Actually, I think the Pug might be the server on Party for Three. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, definitely Camp Cornette. Good pull on that one. All right, Jim Cornette. Right. Jim Cornette telling Shawn Michaels, "If you're if you're if you're scared, say you're scared. If you're a mouse, squeak." <laughs> bottle cap jacket and your stupid hat <laughs> good stuff yes and then uh, the non WWF one that I have left is uh, Shane Douglas Bam Bam Bigelow and Chris Candido the triple threat 
in ECW. I was a mark for that group. Yes, you I were. Them. I know you did. They did. Nobody has anything on it. I just think they were good. I think they were... You could tell they were all friends, and I think that's a important thing when you have a group of wrestlers together. Mm-hmm. And like I've said, it's maybe when rinse, wash, repeat, but each one played their role the way they were supposed to play it. And oh, they did, and and overshadow each other for for anything negative. I wouldn't say anything negative about Candido or or especially Bigelow. Candido was good. Bigelow's one of the best big men ever. And for anything I'd say negative about about Shane Douglas, for the ECW, he his personality fit perfectly. I always thought he was kind of a marginal worker, but the franchise but he, he, he's the, like he's like a Mike Hayes. The, you know, Mike yeah, Hayes was the best yeah. wrestler in the world, but he could he could those guys could talk, and then he could sum it all up. Yeah, and the fr- the franchise character is one of the best characters in ECW. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, they wouldn't. They obviously, again, they wouldn't. They aren't on my list, but I could see that. And as far as ECW goes, they're definitely the best faction ECW had. So, yeah. Oh. Um, and the last one on my list is uh, Shawn Michaels. Hunter Hurstamsley, China, and Ravishing Rick Rude, the original DX. And they were number one on my list. No, not anymore. <laughs> the original Degeneration X. Um, and, the, and, and the reason I go original, honestly, I go back and watch now, and when you got to about, I don't know, I'd say about SummerSlam, you know when they have like the ladder match and uh-huh. all that, DX just kind of wears on you after a while. That incarnation of it, yeah. you know what I mean? It got it got it got stale. I mean, it was by the time they got to the point where they broke them up, it was time to break them up for sure. Yeah, um, and you know they. You know, it's one of those things where you know they didn't because of the merchandise. <laughs> but the the original DX, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Rick Rude, and China was, again, at the time, groundbreaking, super entertaining. I don't care if they were burying people or not. Who fucking cares? It was entertaining. And it was those guys uh, being those guys they were fucking assholes and they didn't care they didn't care who knew they didn't care who cared and they were all good workers and everybody played their part perfectly like i always liked it when hunter and sean would be doing something just terribly offensive or crass and rude and china almost looked offended <laughs> yeah and then it's like yeah they're burying people but but you're you're letting them throw dirt on you, right? You know what I mean. Like, don't just fight back. Say mm-hmm. shit back to them. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I like Brett. I would not say that Brett ever got buried by DX. You know what I mean, right? Because Brett would just say shit back to him. You know what I mean. 
because he he didn't give a fuck. He didn't like Sean, so he'd say shit back to him, and it worked. And or, or he'd call Triple H homo. Yeah, you homo. <laughs> and just different things like that. So I mean, it's like if you're getting buried, it's because you deserve to get buried. Mm-hmm. Defend yourself, right? Like there's. A... <laughs> This thing where um, Triple H and Ken Shamrock and Gold Dust, I think it's Gold Dust, are having this thing, and Triple H is like, "So why don't we have a match?" Yeah, and like a- Triple H basically sets it up. <coughs> Ken Shamrock's like, "So you, Triple H, are telling me that you want to have a match with me, Gold Dust." And you, Triple H. And that's exactly how he says it. And Triple H is like, I'm glad you've caught up, Ken. Yeah. <laughs> that is what I'm saying. Like, 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 Ken Shamrock should have just walked away. You know what I mean? Like, why are you still talking? I'm glad you caught up, Ken. It's basically what he says to him. And... <laughs> oh. And those DX guys? When somebody would get something over on them, they, they sold it. You know what I mean? Like yep. they they let it ha- like it, it, it's a different group. But like when they were when X Pac was in it, and he told Hawk to suck it, and Hawk was like, "If I could find it, I would." <laughs> X Pac sold it. You know what I mean? Like X Pac was like, "Son of a bitch!" And like walked away because it was a good line, and Sean Walton knew that was a good line. Sell it. Just the original DX. If I had a nipple, a nickel for every time. Yeah. And it did not help that I was prob I was what in ninety seven. I'm thirty five years old now. Ninety seven, you were what fourteen? Yeah. So it didn't hurt that I was a fourteen year old kid. These guys are out there saying nipple, suck it, suck it, suck it. it. Telling people to <laughs> suck it. Playing strip poker on TV. Yeah, <coughs> say suck the cook. Literally, <laughs> literally, literally turning wrestling upside down. Yeah, and then it was great when it came back because I was at the fair, and there was this guy walking around in a dog suit, like a <laughs> like a fire dog suit, and all these little kids were just like he was like waving at him, and then they just started doing the suck it to him, like, suck it, <laughs> suck it. <laughs> And I was Poor guy. Eating, I was just eating my sausage sandwich and laughing. <laughs> the poor guy's like, I'm not. Saved. And those kids are like, suck it. Break it down. Suck it. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. That poor guy. Well, you we... like, you'd wear your suck it shirt to school and get in trouble. <laughs> well, that is Aaron's top ten. Favorite stables, factions, etc., etc. I actually only have three left. So we're going to take a quick break because your host has to pee. No, I don't. And when we come back... I'm kidding. Is there any mail? Huh? Is no. there any mail? No, no mail this time around. I ruined that, huh? Huh? I said I ruined that, huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> When we come back, I will I will cover my last three, and um, we will uh, 
draw for our pay-per-view reviews for the next show. So when we come back here on the We Can't Wrestle podcast, we will finish up our top tens. Like I said, I only have three left on my list, and uh, we will uh, talk about next week's show. So we'll be right back after this on the Thanksgiving week edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Wrestling fans, welcome back to the We Can't Wrestle podcast here on Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes, Podcast Addict, wherever you listen to your favorite wrestling podcast, you can download the show. And just to make a announcement, we will be having a YouTube page soon also for the show. So that is in the works. I am working, actually going to be working on that this week. And um, that'll be up. And I think that... We may or may not, depending on how every all the host schedules work out, we may or may not debut a YouTube live presentation of the show during the Royal Rumble. The three of us possibly watching the Royal Rumble together on YouTube live, and just you guys can just listen to us whatever. You know, Come get drunk with as, us as the show, exactly as the show goes on. Lots of cool conversations happen during pay-per-views. And the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania are two that definitely the two that uh, we're guaranteed to be watching together. So, you put an eight-hour video on YouTube? <laughs> Break it up into parts. So Top 10 Stables is our Top 10 for this week. And Aaron and Kyle have both gone over their lists. So I will bring mine up here, and the ones that have been knocked off of my list so far are the New World Order, the Heenan Family, Camp Cornette, the Nation of Domination, the Horseman with Barry Windham, which is my favorite uh, version, the Hart Foundation, and the original DX. So I have three left. We'll go through those quickly here. Is the first one the Desperados? Oh, uh, with... Uh, one-Eyed Pete or whatever? Dead-Eyed Dick. Dead-Eyed Dick. <laughs> One-Eyed Pete. <laughs> <laughs> ah, shit. That would have been Jim Barnett's version. Um, my boy. <laughs> uh, the first one is um, from the uh, early 90s. I mean, how do you beat Steve Austin, Bobby Eaton, Larry Zabisco? I thought you said it wasn't the Desperado. Oh, yeah. It is the Dangerous Alliance. Paul Heyman's Dangerous Alliance in the WCW. Rick Rude. I love the Dangerous Alliance. It's like... It, me too. Actually, the Dangerous Alliance is, to me, my favorite WCW faction. It's better... It's... Mm, I guess not... Okay, my second favorite. The Horseman is my favorite, obviously. But it. I like the Dangerous Alliance better than the NWO. Yeah. The entire I, I can see where you say that. The entire storyline behind it of Paul Heyman. They're very close to being on my list. 
being disgruntled, trying to bring bring WCW down. You had, I mean, a collection of, there's not a bad wrestler in the bunch, you know? Like, the Dangerous That's Alliance never, that never had any shitty wrestlers in it. Well, I almost said there wasn't a bad talker in it either, but Bobby never talked. Yeah, and it, it, even when he did talk, he wasn't a bad talker. He just wasn't a... Ex- My favorite thing they ever did with him, though, was when he was walking at that, that Halloween Havoc or whatever, and he had that pumpkin. <laughs> Missy Hyatt was looking for, I don't even remember who she was looking for. She was like, Bobby, you know which way he went? He's like, oh. <laughs> Come on, walking. Like, walking. <laughs> but yeah, I like the Dangerous Alliance. I do too. It, it was kind of WC. It was kind of WCW's post Horseman answer to the Horseman because they didn't have Flair at the time, and you know what I mean. Yeah, and then like it, it started kind of picking it off. Like people started kind of piecing off from it, which was weird. Like they never really had like a dissension. No. No. You know what I mean? Uh, Anderson and Zabisco kind of went on their own as the enforcers or whatever. And... They were with, like, Mike. Well, I guess you could say that it was almost the it was almost the Medusa thing. You know, that's how they broke it up. They broke it up without making anybody turn face. Yeah. Because, like, all those guys are like, you've gone too far with Medusa. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. we don't really want to be with this guy. Any, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Dirty Paul like, Heyman. <laughs> Huh? Dirty Paul Heyman. <laughs> yeah, like when he was like calling her a bitch and like yelling at her, and even Mike Hayes was like, "You're going a little far, man." And then they just like left him, mm-hmm. and like Rude was stuck in the middle because like, like he'd still like there'd be times when like Heyman would still come out with him, like, but he like but he was he was he was banging the so they had to keep her around, and then he had, yeah, it was all cool stuff. Anything on the Dangerous Alliance, Kyle? No, not really. Okay, I'd say I'd say that's my only thing I didn't like about it was there wasn't a resolution to the end of it. Right, you know what I mean? Like you guys pretty much said everything you could well, say about it. And the reason you know. the reason for that is the reason that Look there was the reason that there was a there was not a resolution to a lot of things in WCW was because in the WCW. They would change bosses so much. Yeah, you know. And plus, and plus, when you look at it, it's like who do you, who do you turn into the good guy? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like none of them would have been good faces, right? The only one you probably could have turned face would have been Arn Anderson, just because WCW fans liked him so much. Even though he yeah. was a heel, you probably could have turned Arn Arn face. But you're right; there wasn't really an, an, a good out. Yeah. So the next one on my list is, it is from the modern era, and it is, they're on my list because of the modern era of wrestling, they are the most influential, dominant, real good faction. I know, Kyle, you brought up the Bullet Club. The Authority. I, I actually say the Shield. I think the Shield is the best faction of the modern era um people identify those the reason i say that is people identify those three guys with each other they are they they are interconnected as a unit whether they are split whether they are not 
in modern wrestling, they're the most identified as a unit and as a group, and they could they could be disconnected and then reunited. It it makes sense, and they were they were the closest thing to a dominant faction in the modern era. Well, they got uh, Roman Reigns to be able to be cheered, so. <laughs> but I just remember when they came in, <coughs> the faction made such an impact right off the bat. Um, it thrust all, and it, you know, it's the talent of the guys too. But it thrust all of them into the into the big picture really quick, and. I would say that I would put the shield in my in my top ten factions of all time. It's 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 resulted in three successful careers, and probably the three biggest stars of the modern WWE era. Um, you know, because I mean, granted, like the biggest the biggest guys right now are you know Brock Lesnar or Daniel Bryan or something, but I'm talking of the newer guys, the guys that haven't been around for twenty years. Those three guys and that faction made them as big as they are. And modern wrestling fans identify with the Shield as the most dominant faction. So that's why they're in my top ten. Because they don't know no better. <laughs> but so, the, shield, the Shield was cool when it started. Well, that's what I was going to say. Would you... Do you discount their contribution to the modern product. I know overall you yeah, might, you might not you might not look at them like I do as one of the top 10 ever. But but no, I, I they were cool when they first came in and and like anything else it ended up getting kind of diluted and when they broke them up, I think the wrong guy turned and when they wound up like back together, I don't, I don't know. I just, well, I mean, really, when it comes down, the era that they're in, they worked. And really, you know, each person's going to have a chance turning on the shield. So, and it's the only thing that it's it's probably the only non-convoluted type of story they've had. You know, yeah. it's a simple wrestling story. Mm-hmm. All right, well, the last one I have on my list, let's, and when you guess anything else on the Shield. Can I guess your last one? You can. Kyle, did you have anything else on the Shield? Nope. All right. Aaron? Is it the cabinet? <laughs> Since I forgot that existed, no. All right. <laughs> the cabinet oh, was JBL, Jillian Hall. Orlando Jordan and the Basham Brothers. <laughs> the Cabinet. The Cabinet. Wow. Basham Brothers were what, like the Secretaries of Defense or whatever? Yeah, Saad. Orlando Jordan was the Secretary of uh, Butt Sex. My boy. <laughs> <laughs> My boy. No, the last one on my list is more for, first of all, the entertaining aspect of their leader. Oh, it's the cabinet. And secondly, 
because of the wrestling talent involved in the faction. And it is um, Kurt Angle, Shelton Benjamin, and Charlie Haas, Team Angle. All right. I love Team Angle. I thought Team Angle was cool as hell. Yeah. It's good stuff. <clears throat> then you have part-time member Eric. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what Luther Reigns at one point. But mainly just that three, like... At that time, in that in that era, like in that year or whatever, those are three of the best wrestlers on the planet, all grouped together. Kurt kind of working with the two rookies and, and kind of teaching them, you know, behind the scenes, the, the ways of the world or what have you. And um, again, like just like with Brett with the Hart Foundation, with Kurt's personality at the helm and Haas and Benjamin being one of the best tag teams ever. I like, I dig me some team angle. Yeah, I do too. Kyle? I ain't mad at that. I agree. I, <sighs> Kurt Angle is one of those guys that it would have been hard to put him with a group of people and make it believable, and they did it. Mm hmm. Because, I mean, you know, you're thinking it's Kurt Angle, so. How do I want to say this without? A lot of the times when they make a group of people, it doesn't work out. It ends up being clustered, or it ends up taken away from the main guy. Yeah, well, and, and that's a, that's kind of my point. Like, like, kind of echoing what you're saying. Shelton and Charlie were young, but they were so good. It made sense for Kurt Angle to have them under his wing and him to mentor those two guys because you could see why Kurt Angle would see the talent in these two guys. Like Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin are two of the, to me, the biggest disappointments after that group. They're two of the biggest disappointments as far as booking and stuff goes in WWE. To me, they're wasted talents over the years. Two, two just... I mean, fucking fantastic wrestlers that, for one reason or another, probably Mike Skills didn't get uh, didn't get to me. They're just due. See, and I and I don't want to change this into a into a problem with the modern product, but that's the big issue. It's like we don't have a lot of. Um, managers and stuff where you could take somebody who doesn't have a good speaking you know ability mm-hmm. and put them with somebody who can oh absolutely they don't do that anymore no I mean there's so many guys <laughs> who benefit from that for one reason or another I mean some of it comes from the fact that they don't feel like they need to because they have this performance center and everybody's just getting trained their way anyway. You know, they don't need somebody to take anybody under their wing because they figure, eh, we did all of it our way anyway, so what? what's the difference? So, unless... I think it's Vince McMahon hates us. Do either one of you have anything else, or should I go ahead with this uh, pay-per-view drawing? Drawing. Do thing. Let's pick our poison. Well, Kyle? Oh, hey, hey, sorry. Yeah. Um, 
I did post a video online, mm-hmm. and um, I should start putting this stuff on Facebook when I, on our Facebook account or whatever because we have one of those, right? Yes. I should start doing this on our Facebook because I think I'm wasting it on some other things. But these people found like this the 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 CIA or whatever, mm-hmm. the FBI busted like this big like sea birds thing that had was like full of cocaine. Okay. Did you see that? No. Did you see it? No. Well, like it was just like filled with pallets and pallets. Of, uh, what is happening? Go ahead. Okay. But anyway, it was like this barge just full of cocaine, like pallets and pallets and pallets of it. Like these helicopters are flying around, like videotaping them, like sieging this thing. Mm-hmm. So my caption was, "Oh, Scott Hall's Amazon order just arrived." <laughs> hey yo, <laughs> man, that's a lot of cocaine, man. When, when he buys, when he when he buys the drugs, he has it sent to Razor Ramon. <laughs> that's how he's gotten away with it. Chico. <laughs> and Rick Titan's like, thanks. <laughs> Gracias, Chico. I'm sorry. Rick Titan's like, thanks, Chico. <laughs> All right. Kyle. Yes. Pick a number one through ten. Dun, dun, dun. Ten. Number ten. Sunday, February 20th, 1994. Super Brawl, 1994. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Is that the Thunder Cage? I don't know. With uh, Ric Flair and Vader? I don't know if it is or not. I think it is. I'm going to look it up right now. <laughs> it might not be too bad. I do love that you laughed at him, though, when he got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is this along with Super Brawl Revenge. Really, only two Super Brawls never released on home video. Oh. <laughs> Good. Oh. oh. But is that the one I was thinking it was? Uh, yeah, Thundercage. Yeah, Thundercage. Yes. All right. With, oh, okay. It says with. I'm looking at Wikipedia. It says with the boss as special guest referee. The boss. I, I thought they were Bruce Springsteen. Bruce, yeah. Sasha <laughs> Banks. Bruce Springsteen's the ref. I wonder if Sasha Banks had a big forehead like she does now in 1994. <laughs> I don't think Sasha Banks was born in 1994. You could watch a drive-in movie on Sasha Banks' forehead. <laughs> Jesus. Aaron? One through ten. What? Uh, six. 1986, the big event. God damn it. <laughs> Eight. What? Nothing. <laughs> I hate the big event. Well, you got it. Somebody pick my number. Eight. 
Eight? Yeah. I got... Let me write it down before I circle it on here. The big event is so boring. (laughs) I have a pay-per-view from 2004. From July of 2004, it is Vengeance 2004. Have fun with that. Let me look this up here and see what my matches are. Like I think the I think the commentating team at the big event is like Ron Trogdard, <laughs> Gorilla Monsoon, and the Big Cat Ernie Ladd, and he's just like, "Oh my god, it's gonna be a fantastic match, Gorilla." Yeah, it's like that era, like where like like. <sighs> oh, I'm I'm looking on the WWE Network Vengeance 2004. Chris Benoit must be in the main event because it says. Triple H is out for vengeance as he challenges for the WWE Championship. It doesn't say he challenges Chris Benoit <laughs> for the WWE. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yes, I got uh, Triple H and Benoit. It's going to have Matt Hardy and Kane. Uh, fuck. All right. Shouldn't be too bad. <laughs> you say that now. Yeah. So we'll see who how all of us fare this time around. Aaron already knows how he's gonna fare. <laughs> hey, I think that might have a Ted R C D match on it. Fuck off. <laughs> <clears throat> the only good Ted R C D thing ever was mm-hmm. he was on Piper's Pit. Mm-hmm. And they were both on cocaine. Because <laughs> he goes out there and they're just, they're both profusely sweating. And they're talking nonsense. And then um, Ted RCD proceeds to like bench press the coffee table and sit on the Piper's pit as owner of a Lonely Hearts plays him <laughs> out. I like those par- Piper's pits because sometimes insane. Sometimes Piper would go so off the wall, you could tell he went off the wall because they'd start playing that music and cut him off. <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, like doing their thing, and then Ted T- T- R C is just like ah, and then he picks up the cha- the table, and then it's like and then it just goes away. You're like, what the fuck just happened? That's the, that's what I was gonna say. Like you'd see Piper like. Or he'd just start rambling like, you know, I'm going to tell you. And then all of a sudden it'd be like, Derner, 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 Derner. (laughs) Hit me with your best shot. And then it just fade out. (laughs) Like at that time, Kevin Dunn was like, fuck it. Anyway, so before I start playing Toot Toot Tootsie, do either one of you have anything else for the listeners this week? Or can we sign off? Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And I'm a retail guy, so I might be having to tell you Merry Christmas, because I might not see anybody for the next <laughs> month and a half. <laughs> Kyle? Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yes, enjoy your turkey, enjoy your family, enjoy your turkey-ass families. And a third chorus, I whistle. Now give me a
It's a fat man's favorite holiday. And we, we want to thank you for joining us on this week's edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Bye bye, Tootsie. We'll see you next week with our pay per view reviews. Until then, again, have a great Thanksgiving. And keep listening to the, the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Check us out on Facebook. And if you have any questions, that's hot. That's hot. Get hot. For either one of us, any three of us, just go ahead and email me at wecantwrestle at gmail.com. And we'll see you next week.